Thanks, Ali. Good. Okay, well, uh, um, we're continuing now on a um, series in basic foundational discipleship teaching designed to equip us as Weymouth Family Church to be able to disciple new or nearly believers. And by nearly believers, yeah, nearly, not quite yet, but nearly believers. So new or nearly believers. Okay. And, um, and the idea really behind it is, I guess, for many years and in many churches, and ours probably as well, for many years, the thinking is, we'll get them to church, but who, the pastor or whoever, it's your job to preach the gospel to them, and it's your job to disciple them. And actually, when we look at the Bible, that's not true. It's my job to ensure that you are equipped, and I'm equipped as well, that we are equipped as the people of God to make disciples and to dis disciple ongoing discipleship teaching of them. So I'm trying to make it as clear and as easy for you so that you know what to do. If, if you get an opportunity to lead someone to Christ, you know what to do. And having led them to Christ, you think, what do I do now with them? And I'm hoping that as we go through this course and various people are bringing uh, some of the teaching, that you will know what to do, how you could lead someone to Christ, how you could carry that forward. Okay, let's see if technology is going to work today. Um, no red lights on. Yeah, that's what I thought. They are both up. Um, possibly. Oh, no, red lights have come on. I've just moved the batteries. Amazing what that does sometimes. Great. Yes. Okay. Whoa. Right. And I shared it a few weeks ago this um, threefold purpose of the church. Okay. Um, as you can see, Weymouth Family Church, the sort of blob in the middle. And then the three things coming out from that. We're going to love God. Uh, that's being a spirit-enabled church. We're going to love each other. That's going to be a word-enabled church. And we're going to love the lost. That's a mission-enabled church. We're going to be a, a spirit, word, and mission church. And loving God is all about worship. It's about abiding in Christ. And it's about prayer and prophecy. Those things are what we do to love God and be a church that is moving in the things of the Holy Spirit. And then over to the bottom right, we're going to love each other. That's, and we do that really through, through what we see in Scripture, telling us about all the one another things, you know, love one another, encourage one another, bear with one another, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another, all the one anothering that we see in the Scriptures. Okay? And, uh, and we grow in, a no in the knowledge of God together. And we meet in homes and here in Bethany Hall and in other places, pubs and parks and all sorts of places. We meet together as the people of God and we build life together. And then down in the left-hand side, we love the lost. And that's mission. And we remember the poor. You know, we've got the soup run. That's still, particularly men, if there are any men who want to help out on the soup run, you would be really welcome because they could do with some more men helping out. Making disciples. And, of course, preaching and sharing the word. Now, you may not be preaching, um, but you may be sharing. You can share the word 
of God with people. So that is, in many ways, you know, what we are about as a church, the threefold purpose of the church. Okay, so, you know, I think we're good at loving God. You think of the worship this morning. There was a powerful sound of praise going up to God. We don't hold back. We're good at loving the church. We're a loving family. Oh, I've lost my, lost my fluffy bit off the, uh, off the mic. Oh, dear. Sorry, Elaine, I've broken it. Oh, well, okay. Um, we're good at loving the lost. You know, I think in terms of, uh, sorry, we're good at loving the church. We're a loving family. We are a loving family. People comment on it. And, and we know that when, when people have got need, we gather around and we get behind people and we encourage one another. We're good at that. Okay, but I think the thing that we're not so good at, we're less good at, is loving the lost, at least in terms of sharing the gospel and making disciples. I'm not good at it. And I suspect most, many of you, if not most of you, don't feel you're very good at that. Okay? And that's not to put us down. That's not to put a heavy burden on us. Or, but it is true. It's just, a, it's just a fact. We find that probably, of all the things, the hardest to do. So we're being equipped to share the gospel and to make disciples. Okay, now the list of topics that we're going to go through owes its origins to what's written in Acts 2, where those looking on were told, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And we told that they gave themselves to a whole list of things they gave themselves to. You read it in Acts 2. And one of the things they gave themselves to was the apostles' teaching. And that's what we're going to be looking at this week. So in the first week, I looked at the basics of how we can disciple people. And the first one was repent. Okay? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. And I told you a good way of sharing the gospel. And it's this three circles over here. Okay? It's still up there. You might not be able to see it over that side. But the three circles. And we start with, we start with here's the world, but it's broken. Okay? But here's the world that God designed. There's a world of love out there. We see good things. We see beauty. But we've walked away from that world, God's design, and we've walked into a broken world. We call that sin. And we try all sorts of ways to get away from sin and brokenness. We try success. We try money. We try relationships. We may even try drugs and alcohol. There's all sorts of ways that people might try to break away, but it's like it's on a bungee and it drags them back and they live in this world of brokenness. So we've got God's design. We've got a broken world. But there's the other world that Jesus came into. And he came into the world, lived a spotless life, died on a cross, and took our sins from us, which, of course, is what we've been celebrating with communion this morning. And then he rose from the dead. And he says that if we will repent, which is turn around, turn around from going our way and turn around to going his way, repent and believe in him, that we'll be saved, that we'll be forgiven. And that we'll come back into being a brand new person. He will make us a brand new person and we will go back into God's design of living. Now, that is a very simple uh, way of sharing the gospel. Okay, and if you, if you want me to give you more on that, I can, if you, don't, if you weren't here when I went through it in a bit more detail, I'll just quickly whiz through that. 
but there's not much more to say, actually. It's fairly simple. Okay. It's a good way to share the gospel, the three circles. You can go online and find it as well. Okay. So, and then Andrew followed up with be baptized. And, uh, and, and, and Andrew gave a, a really, really detailed account of actually how we have changed things around a bit. You know, um, we've made baptism perhaps into a thing that you do to little children in a font. Uh, but in the Bible, that wasn't what it was. In the Bible, it was certainly, um, it was people believing, repenting, believing, and being baptized. Repent and be baptized. And, um, <clears throat> and it's, it's, for, it's for believers. So if you believe, the next step is to be baptized. Young people, if you believe, you can be baptized. All right. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to wait uh, till I don't know when. You can be baptized whenever you want to be. If you believe in Jesus, you can be baptized. And in fact, really, I'd say you should be baptized because Christ commands it. And then last week, and, and just to say about, you know, what was really good about Andrew bringing that preach was somebody said, actually, I was baptized as a baby, but I've never been, been baptized as an adult. And I think I should be baptized as an adult. So actually it had real fruit. So well done. So that was great. Excellent. We, you know, it's really encouraging when that happens. Um, you know, we want to be people not just who are hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Okay. And then last week, James told us about prayer and how a new or a nearly believer needs to know how to communicate with God through prayer. And, and of course, Jesus gave us a template, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's praise him. You know, forgive us our trespasses. You know, all you, we know that we know the prayer. He gave us a template, not that we necessarily recite that parrot fashion, but we can use that as a basis to help us in our prayer. So this week, I'm looking to see what I've got. Okay, I'll come to that in a moment. This week, um, I'm looking at Um, the fact that new believers know that they need to read the Bible. It's good for them to read the Bible. They need to know why they should read it. And perhaps if we can help them, they need to know how they should read it, that they should read it, why they should read it, and how they should read it. Okay. You know, last week, James mentioned that this list comes from a list called the Commands of Christ. Again, you can Google that. If you Google the Commands of Christ, uh, hashtag no place left, you will find a list of the Commands of Christ. And these, these commands are either commands that Jesus himself gave or commands that his servants, the apostles, gave in his name. So Jesus himself said that we are to pray. He said, pray. And he said, pray like this. Jesus commanded that we repent and believe the good news. Jesus spoke of the need to be baptized and the apostles commanded it. And there are many things um, that we should be looking at over the next few weeks that are commands of Christ to us. He commands us to do certain things, which is why they are of fundamental importance to new believers. But I can't find anywhere any command that says, in the New Testament at any rate, I can't find any command in the New Testament that says, you must read the Bible. I don't know if you know of one. 
You might argue that there's an implicit command to read the Bible. I can certainly find scriptures that say it's helpful, wise, encouraging, and instructive to read the Bible. But I can't find any command anywhere. So in that sense, it's not a command in the New Testament. But it is really a very, very, very sensible thing to do. I can't find any explicit command that says that. But clearly, it's in a new believer's best interest that they should be encouraged to read the Bible and see it as part of a two-way communication between us and God. Our main communication to God is through prayer. God's main communication to us is through the Bible. Now, it's true he speaks also into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He may even speak to us through the words of others. He may even speak to us through prophecy. But without the communication of the Bible, it's impossible to be able to judge rightly if we'd heard correctly or if the prophecy was from God. So we need the Bible as our benchmark against whatever we hear. It is what corrects us from error. So what is communicated, however it comes, has to always measure up to what is communicated to us by God in the Bible. It's his principal way, I would say, of communicating to us. Our principal way is through prayer. God's principal way of communicating is through the Bible. Conversely, of course, however, our starting point to reading the Bible is in being open to the Holy Spirit, who illuminates what we read and helps us to understand. So we can't just be reliant on the Holy Spirit because we may have got it wrong. So we've got the Bible to make sure that it measures up what we're hearing. We really have heard from the Holy Spirit, but also we need the Holy Spirit to help us open up what is being said in the Bible, because without that, it won't make sense. Um, In the prayer meeting this morning, Rachel said something about a balloon. She said, a balloon with no air in it is kind of just like a floppy bit of plastic. But if you blow it up, it becomes something, you know, it's party-like, it's joyful, it's got shape, it serves a purpose. And, 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 you know, when the Holy Spirit breathes into Scripture, it makes sense. Without the Holy Spirit breathing into it, it can be like a sort of a, a balloon that doesn't, that's got no shape to it. Because we, we find it hard. Without the Holy Spirit's inspiration, we find it hard to understand the Scripture. And that's particularly true, of course, for new believers, which is what we're dealing with here. We're looking at how do we help new believers. So, so we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is of vital importance to new believers in understanding the Bible when we, when we bring them to the Bible. Okay. The simplest and most definitive statement about the virtues and wisdom of reading the Bible comes in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture, all scripture, not just most of it, not just little bits of it. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All scripture. If we read the whole passage in context, it says this. You, from verse 10, you, however, know all about my teaching. This is Paul speaking. He's speaking to the church. You know all, oh, he's speaking to Timothy, in fact. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, 
by purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's good news, isn't it? Um, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what we're talking about, equipping the saints here. So that's the scripture. So this passage of scripture alone, I think, establishes for a new believer that they should read the Bible and explains why they should read the Bible. It's a good scripture to use with new believers because it establishes very clearly we should read the Bible and this is why. There are other scriptures. Um, oops. Open this up again. Okay. There are other things that have been said by Jesus that tell us that we need to read the Bible. He said, Have you not read the scriptures and what they say about me in Matthew 21 42? That's my paraphrase slightly, but if you read the actual scripture, it's not that far off what he actually said. Have you not read the scriptures and what they say about me? He later he said, He said, You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. In fact, he goes on to say, but you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. You're in error. And he says that in Matthew 22, 29 and Mark 12, 24. You can read it. Uh, in uh, Luke um, 24, 27, it says that Jesus went through the scriptures to Moses, from Moses to the prophets to explain what was said in the scriptures about him. Again, that's my paraphrase, but that's what he said. He said he went through the scriptures from Moses to the prophets, explaining what the scriptures said about him. Um, and then on the road to Emmaus, it says, he was talking with the disciples, um, and it said their hearts burned within them as Jesus, it said, opened the the scriptures to them. They didn't realize it was Jesus. His identity at that stage was hidden to them as they were walking along the road to Emmaus. But he opened the scriptures and it said their hearts burned within them. He opened the scriptures to them. And then, um, so that's in um, Luke 24, 32. Um, in Luke 24, 45, he says it opened the mind of the disciples so that they could understand the scriptures. So he, you know, we can we can certainly confidently assert that Jesus himself spoke highly of the scriptures and used them to communicate truth. And so we can do likewise. 
We don't have to be great scholars to do that. We can use very simple scriptures that are up there. The list is there. You could, I can give you that list if you want. But they are good scriptures to use just to establish that we need to read the Bible and why we need to read the Bible. But the question then is, how should we read the Bible? And my first and simple suggestion to you is that you tell a new believer to pray first. So how should they read the Bible? Start by encouraging them to pray and be open to the Holy Spirit before they start to read the Bible. Okay, A simple prayer. Lord Jesus, as I read the Bible, send the Holy Spirit to me to help me understand what I'm reading. Or whatever. It doesn't have to be a long and, you know, there's a very simple prayer. Just get someone to pray the prayer. Pray something. Lord, help me. I want to read the Bible. That'd do. (laughs) Help is a good prayer, actually. Usually works. Um, So get get people to pray. Because they need to understand, actually, that without the Holy Spirit's help, um, they're going to find it difficult. My encouragement would say, well, I would say always tell them to start in the New Testament and to start in one of the Gospels. Explain what that means. They won't know what the Gospels means. If you say start in the Gospels, they think, what? What's that? But if you explain it to them. But that's a good place to start. In the New Testament, in one of the Gospels. Okay. My personal preference, I love saying to people, start with Luke and then Acts, because they go on from one another. The first, the Luke tells what Jesus began to do, and then uh, Acts tells what Jesus continued to do through the, through the early church. So it's a good story from start to finish, and it's written by the same person. And it's, you know, so for me, I'd say Luke, but it doesn't have to be Luke. You may have a personal preference to start with John or Matthew or Mark. It's fine. Okay, but start with the New Testament. Start with one of the Gospels. But beyond that, can I suggest a very simple approach that might help a new or nearly believer to get to grips with Scripture? And it's this, to lead a new believer to ask the following four questions as they read a passage of Scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit. The four questions are, what does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about people? Are there any sins to avoid or promises to claim? Are there any examples to follow? or commands to be obeyed. Sins, promises, examples, commands, spec. Okay? Um, My IT skills are somewhat limited, and I didn't know how to take a um, PDF and isolate a little bit of it and put it up on the screen. So the only way I could do it was to put it on my phone and do a screenshot. So there's a screenshot. Sorry about that, but anyway. There is... The sword of the spirit, the word of God. And it says, God, what does God, what does this tell us about God? Down the bottom of the handle, what does it tell us about people? And spec. Okay? Sins, promises, examples, commands. And what I'm going to give you to do, we're going to have five minutes. This group over here, I'd like you 
to read the passage of Scripture that we just put up, 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 to... Um, I'll, I'll go back to it in a moment. I'll put it up on the screen. And I'd like you to answer the question, to think together, what does it tell us about God? This group here, well, this group and this group, I'd like you to look at this passage of Scripture and say, what does it tell us about people? This group here, I'd like you to look at this passage and say, what are, are there any sins to avoid or are there any promises to claim? And this group over here, I'd like you to look at, are there any examples that we see to follow or any commands that we need to obey? I'll give you five minutes to do that, and then I'll come back and tell you what I found, okay, and see how it matches up with what you found. Okay, so you've got five minutes starting from now, and I'll put the scripture back up there. There, okay, there you go. Spec. What it tells us about God, what does it tell us about people, Sins and promises, examples and commands. Okay? Okay, right. So, now, I'm sorry, you, you know, it, it would have been nice if you'd have had a bit more time to do that, but I just wanted to get, give you a bit of a flavor of how this might work out in practice when you do it with a new or nearly believer. Um, what's it going to look like? So, over here, what did you find about, what does it tell us about God? He's a rescuer. Good. Okay. Anything else? He equips us. Yep, okay, he's a rescuer. He equips us. What does it tell us about people? Sorry? We have to be patient. God, people should be patient. Okay. Are they patient? Okay. Anything else it tells us about people? People will persecute. By implication, I think that's true. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree with you. Anything else? Promises. Anything? Sins? Promises. Okay. Don't be a deceiver or an imposter. Okay. That's a sin to avoid. Any ex there is a promise to that God will help people overcome sin. Um, you feel that's there? That's good. I, it's what. Okay, over here. Any example examples or commands? Sorry. Paul himself is an example. Absolutely. Yeah, you know all about. Absolutely. Paul himself is an example to follow. Any other examples that we see? Ah, <laughs> oh, no, but, but, but the Lord rescued us from them all. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Any other commands? Live a godly life. Read the Bible. Okay, yeah, continue, continue. In it. Right, so this is, this is what, what, you know, I went through it, and, I, and I, I can echo many of the things you said. So um, I, I went through it. I said, uh, so what, what by implication uh, can we learn, uh, either directly or by uh, implication? Um, and um, where are we? Let's just get back. Um, the Lord rescues us. God provides salvation through faith in Jesus Christ.
Christ. God breathes into Scripture or breathes out Scripture so that we may be taught, rebuked, corrected, trained and equipped for good works. That's what it told me about God. Okay, what did it tell me about people directly or by implication? Christians will be persecuted. Uh, by implication, evildoers will persecute those who try to live a godly life. But we can be made wise for salvation. We can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What sin is to be avoided or promised to claim? Well, deception and um, being, being an imposter is to be avoided. Uh, by implication, um, we can, um, if we learn the scriptures, we shall be made wise for salvation. Okay, that uh, seems to be a promise. And uh, if we want to live godly lives, we will be persecuted. I didn't say all promises were nice, um, but that seems to be a promise. If we live godly lives, we will be persecuted. Okay, and are there any examples of commands to be obeyed? By implication, it suggests that our teaching should be demonstrated by our way of life, as Andrew said about what we see in, in uh, Paul, through endurance, in suffering, in persecution, with faith, patience, love, and di on display. Okay, and so that's the example. And the command for us is to continue in what we have learned and become convinced of. Don't stop believing. Okay, um, go back to where we are. Uh, okay, sorry, I, thought, I didn't realize I put it up there. The Lord rescues us, okay? What does it tell us about people? That's what it tells us about people. Okay. That's what it tells us. Sin to avoid promises to claim. As I say, I didn't say all promises were nice. Um, and commands. So the command is to continue what we learn and become convinced of. Don't stop believing. Don't stop following. Don't stop learning from the scriptures. And finally, to those who know the scriptures well. The command is for us to, to continue in what we've learned and become convinced of. But you don't have to be John Stott or Wayne Grudem. Uh, I don't know whether you know who those people are, but they um, are eminent. Well, John Stott, sadly, well, praise God for him, he's with the Lord. Um, I don't think Wayne Grudem is. I think he's still around. Uh, but they're, 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 they're well-known Bible teachers, okay? They're, they're very sort of deep Bible teachers. And, um, you know, you don't need to be John Stoll or Wayne Grudem to help new believers get to grips with the Bible and to start to benefit from it. You can do it, okay? But let me just conclude by saying something to those of you who do have a well-schooled grasp of the Scriptures. Matthew 13, 52, Jesus said to them, Therefore... Every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. And if you are one of those people who knows your Bible thoroughly and, and can bring out things that help new believers, then you will be like someone who brings treasure out of a storeroom for people. Okay? You have the ability to bring out pure nuggets of gold that will enrich those who can benefit from your Bible knowledge. But this needs to be done with all humility. No one likes a know-it-all. 
and we don't want believers feeling inadequate or feeling, oh, I could never get to that level. Because then they might think, well, what's the bother? I'll never get to that level. You know, if that's what you've got to be, I'll never get there. So it's got to be done with humility. But if you've got a deep and good Bible knowledge, there are things you can bring out of your storeroom that will be a blessing, treasures, nuggets of gold to new believers. But let's just finish with this. For most of us, it will be sufficient, in fact, more than sufficient for us to simply help new believers get onto the path of reading the Bible and hearing from God and to be helped to be trained in godliness. It's easy to establish that people should read the Bible. It's easy to establish why people should read the Bible. I'm suggesting to you, to you a method to help people in how they should read, read the Bible. The sword of God. What it say about God? What does it say about people? Spec. Don't have to use that, but that's a good one. If we're going to be equipped to help lead people when they come to faith in Christ, then here is a way to do it. We've run out of time. Let's just pray.